Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm your host, Scott Nicol, and we're joined for a festive edition by James O.B. O'Brien and Travis Morgan. Um, if you're new to the channel, please remember to smash the like and hit that subscribe button, especially if you watch a good 10, 20 minutes of it and you like what we do. We're going to be doing more of these now that the World Cup's over. We're back to Liverpool, Man United, Premier League, Champions League. So the content is going to be more vast than it was. We've not streamed for about two weeks now since the World Cup. Yeah. We weren't really into the World Cup. We were just keeping the channel ticking over. But we are back with a bang now with Liverpool, Man United. Three points in the bag for both teams. Travis is more buzzing than us for beating top of the league. Uh, <laughs> bo sorry, bottom of the league. Not on Forest at home. He's absolutely buzzing. Um, <laughs> we'll probably start with Man United, Trav, because it's going to be fresher in your memory. But how are you two yeah. lads? Is okay? Yeah, good. Yeah. Um a lot of illness going around, um, as we just discussed off camera, but yeah, um apart from that, beautiful Christmas, saw the nieces and nephews and stuff running around, opening a lot of presents and that, ate a lot of food and I'm sure it's gonna continue over the next few days to be fair. Good lads. OB, you okay? <laughs> yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Bit of illness in the house as ever. Um this time of year, but had a good Christmas. There's a lot um, going around at the minute, isn't it? Especially the Cody Gakpos. <laughs> Trav, Trav have, you, have you got the Cody Gap? <laughs> no, nah, we got rid, of, got rid of that one a long time ago, mate. <laughs> it, seems to be, it seems to be sticking in some people's throats as well. It seems to be a real point of contention. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to that. Uh, Travis, we are going to kick off with Man United. Obviously, three points is three points, especially after the World Cup break. It doesn't yeah. matter how you play. I didn't watch any of the game myself. I was just saying to OB, me and the wife had a, a movie day yesterday and it was the best day of the year nice. for me, probably. We watched Pulp Fiction, a bit of Goonies, The Pursuit of Happiness. You ever seen that? Nah, I've not seen that. Oh, you've got to watch it. you got to watch good? it. Uh, brilliant. Um, and yeah. the Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury biopic. Yeah. Um, but anyway, on to Man United. Yeah. How was the game? Um, you're obviously singing Casemiro's praises. I had a little dig at you before the game, seeing Luke Shaw at centre-back over yeah. Maguire on the bench. That was a bit of a shock. You told me yeah. Zill. I don't know if that's true because he's still come on, didn't he? Yeah. There is a bit of illness in the camp, apparently. I think a couple of players didn't even make the bench because they were real. As we've just mentioned, there is quite a bit going going around. But when I looked at the team, the back four, obviously, Wan-Bissaka included. I think that was his first start of the season as well. Um, just a man in the distance really getting minutes because as you know people are coming back in dribs and drabs from the World Cup we've not got Martinez back I'm surprised Varane even played after being in the final to be fair to him so that's testament to him really playing that quickly and, and Shaw having to play centre-back I'm not sure what's happened to Lindelof he must have an injury and I, I didn't fear the worst at all I knew Nottingham Forest were obviously struggling at the bottom I expected us to have a lot of the ball and dominate the game which we did um, there were a few hairy moments in the game where Forrest obviously had a goal disallowed through VAR and stuff, but it's been a long time since United have actually made games comfortable, like a comfortable watch, knowing that you're going to comfortably win a game. And that's, I think, sort of not consolidated, but the next step in, in United's sort of development and progress. We want to try and dominate games in terms of having control of them and not looking like we're going to concede goals or drop silly points, which we did a lot under Ollie, in especially in the last year. Um, so it was nice to get three goals, a clean sheet, three different scorers and plenty of positives. And, and the reason that I'm sort of so happy going forward is that, like, it was a sixth straight win at Old Trafford. It was the first time we've done that since, since 2017. And it's definitely not a fortress just yet, but if we can keep ticking off the wins at home and make ourselves hard to beat, then, then we're he definitely heading in the right direction. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Winning your home games. I've said that no end mm. of times. Um, I'm not sure if I got the lighting right on this. I look like Casper the Friendly Ghost, which is no, mainly because <laughs> I've been ill, I'm sure. But I'm looking, I look transparent. Like you look you like you're under UV light, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get a bit of a suntan. <laughs> um, OB, did you watch any of the United game? Yeah, I did. I was um, I was around friends at a party, so I, I watched it kind of on and off. And there was a lot of what going on in the room when we were watching the game. But I, I, I would say that I thought United looked quite comfortable. They looked like they had far too much for Forest. 
I think Forrest had a couple of situations where they probably should have done better. But overall, I think United dominated the game. I thought Casemiro looked like he was he, he was cruising through the game and he was like, he was a cheat mode in the game because it, it looked so easy for him. Yeah. Um, the one that really interests me is, 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 is Rashford and the form he's now showing because I think he's a complete confidence player. And Ten Hag, since he's come in, he's put the confidence back into him. And he's let him play his natural game. I don't think he's overcomplicated him with tactics. He's just gone out and just be yourself and know what you can do. Probably showed him videos of himself doing what he does best. Mm. And um, it's, it's remarkable how much he's, he's turned around since Ten Hag's come in um, with, with, with him in particular because he, he, he looks like the player that we all thought he could be sort of three, four, five years ago. And he's mm. now really kicked back in. So... Um, it is, it is good to see a player like that, you know what I mean, starting to fulfil a potential. Um, I think United will have harder games, if I'm being totally honest. I think Forrest look, they look like they're, they're struggling to cope with the league and what's going on. And they, they have the odd good win. Um, unfortunately, it was against Liverpool. And, and you know what I mean? It, they rode the luck a little bit in that game as yeah. well. But um, I think overall, I think it's a good one for United to come back to in the, in the league and then they could kick on to the, the harder games as, as the season goes on, really. Was it Rashford on the left, Trav, and Martial through the centre? Flashcore had it the other way around. They had Rashford up front and Yeah, that, that's the, the interesting thing. I think that's what I sort of like about that potential from three, the fluidity that it can possess with Martial and Rashford really interchanging positions. And I think it's going to be an interesting one going forward as well because without doubt man you want to sign a centre forward but I think it's a squad game and those players are going to get plenty of minutes I mean with Martial if he could stay fit he would just be a real asset to us because him and Rashford the way they link up together in particular um, I wouldn't say it's reminiscent of York and Cole at all but they do combine really well and they're dangerous as a duo so I just think we, we drop so many points and create so many less chances without them two combining in the team. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes going forward. Does Rashford see does Tenog see Rashford as an out and out striker over the next few years? It remains to be seen. But sort of with the Cody Gappo thing that you just touched on, and, and I know we'll go on to it into some detail. Cody Gappo is an excellent player, but as I said on, on Twitter, we definitely need somebody who's going to be a focal point to the team because you can see the difference in how we play with Martial and it sticks and it can go into him. And when Rashford, the likes of Rashford and Anthony are running off Martial, it just causes havoc for defenders, especially with Casemiro Eriksen picking the passes that they did. I mean, third man running with the third goal with Fred and Casemiro just nicking it, picking that pass, just one pass and it splits through like a knife through butter. I just think he's, it's going to be so important for us going forward, the role of Rashford, because he's he's sort of got a little bit of a free role at the minute, popping up on the right, popping up on the left. Just like um, OB said, Tanag sort of just given him a bit of a licence to just do what he wants. And you can see with that freedom, he, he's, he's really flourishing. Where's Jaden Sancho? Did I read somewhere that his head's not right? Has he got some mental health issues? Yeah. Has he fell yeah, out with... Yeah. Hargo, what's what's going on? No, I think I think something's gone off person in his personal life because I mean I'm not really I don't really look at the social media too much at the moment, but apparently he deleted all of his photos and like blacked out his profile picture and said I'm, I need to concentrate on myself. And Ten Hag sent him on a warm weather camp. He's been there for a good number of weeks now, training, getting fit. I don't I don't know if he thinks that he's unfit or what the issue is. There's going to be more to it. Some of it's going to be performance related for sure. That's I read cool. I read a little bit about him being overweight, and they, they think mm. that that might be there might be underlying issues in his personal life that have led him to not be physically fit enough to to, yeah. to, to basically play. Um, yeah. Has he been really well it... sure? <laughs> Midnight there's snacks. a player in there there is a player in there there's massively yeah. a player in there I mean we've seen it at Dortmund week in week out in the Champions League as well we know there's a player he's shown glimpses at United I think he's a really really talented player but just I don't know again best position comes playing on the right he played at Dortmund on the left a lot and we just went through this phase where we were just buying a lot of players that 
that prefer the left. Like, if you look at the players now, you've got Rashford, Martial can play off the left. You've got Garnacho, he's left. Sancho's left. And then we would have potentially got Gappo. His natural position's left. Do you know what I mean? And we just kept buying players that can that play on the left-hand side. Anthony was the first player that naturally played on the right for years and we've been crying out for a right winger for years. But now, we, if we are going to go into the market in January, I personally don't think we should panic by just any striker for the sake of it because Ronaldo was on the bench anyway and he wasn't getting on. So him going doesn't really make a difference to the dynamic. Mm. If we're going to get a striker, there has to be the one or it's got to be a good loan but at a young age like um, with a view to buying because we keep buying the Cavani's, the Agalos, the Ibrahimovic's, the Ronaldo's and we're spending more than what you spent on Gappo on like those loans. Do you know what I mean? There's just no point. I just don't want to see that anymore from the club. The thing we just touched on with Sancho with the whole mm. Mason Greenwood episode at the minute and I'm not blaming Sancho if he's got mental health issues then obviously hope he's okay, hope he gets back to playing, doing what he does best but it's almost the last thing Man United need at the minute, isn't it? Mm. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. I think I think with, with Sancho as well, going right back um, when he come through at the Youth Academy at um, City, um, Guardiola didn't fancy him as much as he fancied people like Foden and that won't just be based on ability because it'll be more than that, it'll be mm-hmm. mentality, it'll be the way he is, his attitude in training and all of these types of things. Now, for Guardiola to sell you, he's obviously, he's not giving up on you, but he's probably gone, this guy isn't the right fit for what I'm trying to do. And there's got to be something in that. And maybe we're seeing this now. I hope if it is a mental health issue, I hope he's okay. But there there will be something that Guardiola's gone, I don't want to keep that guy. And well, there's not that, a better judge of character than him, is there? No, there isn't. There isn't. And I've always thought that. I've always thought with Sancho, when he went to Dortmund, he'd done, he, he'd done the right thing because he, he moved abroad, he took the chance. But it was very much a case of City didn't want him and he had to find somewhere. And Dortmund showed a lot of interest really early on. And um, I'm just wondering if we're now seeing that come to fruition, whatever Guardiola spotted or, or observed and thought to himself, this isn't quite the right fit for what we're trying to do. Similar to Ravel Morrison, isn't it? I mean, to anyone at United, ex-United, who trained with Ravel Morrison, saw him play, they said, he's probably the most naturally gifted player they'd ever seen. Like, I think it was Rio Fernand was saying, I think he was on par, if not better, with Ro- than Rooney. Just unbelievably talented. But like you said, attitude, application, mentality, all those other attributes that you need, apart from all the technical stuff, if you haven't got that, you're not going to cut it at the top level because there's just so much that you need. Like, if you think about him compared to Bakayo Saka at Arsenal, it's just chalk and cheese in terms of the mentality and going again and sort of... I love watching Saka play as a player, but just how he responded from missing that penalty to where he is now in terms of goals and assists, like... He gets kicked, he, he's back up again, and he just keeps going. And I think that's the sort of mentality you need at the top clubs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Um, we'll get on to the transfers and this unique January transfer window in a bit when we talk about Cody Gakpo and who Man United uh, might be linked with. Trav, I'm sure you've got your, your finger on the yeah. pulse on Twitter and stuff. Uh, OB, Liverpool, away wow. to Villa. Where do we start? Other than, <laughs> I can't even say no, what I'm laughing. Darwin Nunes. Darwin Nunes. Right, so, Trav, did you watch I'm it? Gonna... I watched the game, yeah, I watched right. it. Yeah, I, watched it. I mean, I think the thing is that you've got to start by talking about the fact that that guy is a nightmare for defenders. And I put it in our chat yesterday. He's a nightmare defenders, but a dream for goalkeepers at the moment. <laughs> he is causing absolute chaos in... In defence, in for defenders all over the place, his movement is at points astonishing. Um, his speed is is, is oh, up there with anybody in the yeah, Premier League. His physical build, um, I still think he's snatching at the ball. I still think he's snatching at chances. Um, he's a chance magnet. I've never seen somebody have so many chances, probably since. And I keep quoting this Andy Cole because it's the one that keeps coming into my mind about somebody who had a lot of chances and used to miss quite a few, but 
ultimately his goals record was so good. And Nunez's record is not bad starting at Liverpool. Mm. And the third goal kind of personifies what he is at his best because it was an assist. Um, but he absolutely causes chaos. But he's got to finish some of them chances. Oh, he's got to work on that. And they need to they need to talk to him about how to be calm under pressure, um, not get wound up by what's happened previously because it's clearly the last one. You knew he was going to snatch it because he snatched it the other two and it was in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that there's a point where he will calm down and we'll start to see a full potential. And then all of these people are calling him um, the poor uh, Andy Carroll for, rather than swearing. Um, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, we'll be eating their words because I'm absolutely certain that that football player is, is decent. He just needs to get his head round how to finish. And it, his determination to keep going says to me that there's something very, very special in there as well. Because then how many times did he run into the channels and run behind? And he just kept doing it. And when the ball wasn't coming to him, he's starting to, he's starting to verbalise his frustration as well. Notice that. That's the first time he's starting to become a, a gobbier player on the park rather than just somebody who's running around, not really saying anything with all of these big characters. He's now um, starting to talk about, talk about uh, what should have happened to his teammates. Um, which shows a growing confidence, but for, for me, for me, he has got to start finishing better, and um, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. I really do. The thing is, he needs it for him, like you say, him snatching at chances now, and he's he seems to have mastered the the reaction on his face of laughing and thinking, "I know the next one," but this must be eating him up inside. Like you say, when he goes through on goal, everyone holds their breath. And everyone, none more so than him, obviously, just thinks, just wrap your foot around this, pass the keeper, get a goal. Because once he gets that first or second goal and it builds the confidence, I am absolutely positive that goal three, goal four, goal five, goal six, they'll come fast. And I've said it I in would, the group I chat, would, he could, get, he could yeah. be at Haaland and get a hat-trick two games in a row when it starts I honestly clicking. Think, I honestly think that. I think there's going to be a game where he's going to score three-plus goals and suddenly everything's going to change. And it could be, I mean, the amount of chance he gets in the game, he could score five goals in a game. You know what I mean? He really could. Four or five goals in a game is not beyond that guy if he clicks right. Because the amount of chances, I've ne- I honestly haven't seen someone be such a chance magnet in a long, long time. And just having that ability to finish, will just it will just elevate the whole team and it'll, it'll, it'll put Liverpool on a very, very good run as well. Trav, from a neutral point of view, if we can call you neutral, um, keeping in mind your hatred for Liverpool. Yeah. Are we being harsh on Nunes, laughing, just mentioning his name, or laughing more that he got man of the match? Are we being a bit harsh? Because Obi's right. He pulled Villa from pillar to post from the first minute to the last. And if anything was going to happen, he was going to be in the middle of it or on the end of it. Um, are we being a bit critical? Because obviously we just want him to bang the, bang the goals. What's your thoughts from a, a neutral there's plenty, with Nunes, for me, there's plenty of positives. Like, I jump on the bandwagon sometimes. I enjoy the bandwagon. You know I mean, I'm a Man United fan. Speaking about Nunes, I love when he misses the target every single time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want him to miss all the time. But, no, from from a neutral perspective, um, for, on a serious note, there are plenty of positives. Like you said, he's blisteringly quick. Like, you cannot... He does not give centre-halves a moment's peace. He drifts wide. His movement's decent in that sense. Um... I've just, he's just like not composed and he's just not well-rounded. Yeah, he's a bit rough around the edges. That's the way I'd like to describe him sometimes. Um, that even when he it is coming into his feet and stuff, it's like he's getting it and then sort of thinking what he's going to do. It's not telepathic yet, but that comes with time. Do you know what I mean? The understanding with the players that you're playing with, because you've had a lot of changes up top, Diaz injury, Jota injury, so Firmino's coming, then then he's sort of on the left starting. I think when once he starts getting that regularity and Klopp trusts where he wants to play him, then you'll see the best out of him. Because like with the finishing as well, he doesn't look assured. But like if he they're not I don't think he's he's missing sitters by his own standards, but we've got we've got to take into account his age, do you know what I mean? And it's a new league as well. Like he's still only a young boy. Like if you think of when Henri came, he was a left winger and he went up front. 
his finishing was nowhere near what it was in his later years. He was missing loads of chances on Rui. That little finesse that he used, that he just did with his eyes shut after about three or four years. That's sort of what I see him trying to do. He's like, like I think there was one chance where he was sort of running through in the left channel, and normally a composed finisher opens the body up with the right foot, and I think he took it with his left foot. And went and it went across the keeper, and it was just like he was never going to find the far corner yeah. unless you were with your laces. And it's just that composure at the key moments he's missing. But there's not a lot wrong with him. Like whether he justifies the fee will purely be judged on how clinical he is. He'll score goals, but like if he's getting five chances a game and he's scoring like one and you're just nicking games or maybe drawing them, then it'll get criticised. But like the Villa game, he missed a load of chances, but you won comfortably, and the rest of his game was good. So he's getting... A, I'm not saying he's getting away with it, but like you said, similar to the Forest game, bigger tests to come, there'll be tighter games. Villa had some decent chances. They had a little spell in the game where you thought, at 2-1... It's going to go 2-2. Yeah. yeah, you thought this could go either way at the moment and then the third goal just killed him. But nah, it's a bigger test to come. I think he's doing okay and I think it's just about Klopp just trusting him now because I've said this before, I don't think Klopp's got full trust in him yet, not full. I think the trust is growing between the two of them. That's what I can see. Yeah, it's it's a good point about um, the injuries to Diaz and Jota. Like you say, and I'm sure we said it in a stream a couple of streams ago, we still haven't seen him in a full-strength Liverpool yet, or if we have, it's been, it's been few and far between with Diaz being out. Um, but like you say, he's played through the centre, he's played off the left. On Thursday night against Man City, he popped up on the right. And because he enjoyed putting the afterburners on the left and setting up Salah's goal against Man City, you seen mm. that was in his head when he popped up on the right and he fluffed that chance towards the end. Now, if he was in striker mode, like you say, he'd have opened his body up, took on his left and killed it in the bottom corner. But he enjoyed assisting Salah so much, it got in his head and it ruined it. He was looking for yeah. Salah, it wasn't on, last at the shot of his right and it was gone and everyone's in stitches. But yeah. it was the same against Villa. He put the afterburners on it again and left the defender for dead, which is fantastic for us to see, really exciting. And then Absolutely. again, he's through on goal and all it... Like you say, it just took a nice little cushion left around the keeper and it's a goal. He shanks it. He's Basically, what I'm trying to get at is he still hasn't found his best position in the team, popping up yeah. on the left, the right, in the middle. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to like seeing him with a, full, like, with a full strength front three. Before, everything was like so routine, like with the fullbacks, the movement and stuff, like the crosses. They weren't always high crosses of a little pullbacks, but the, the movement and the timing when your fullbacks were on song, they're so important to the way you play. That's not there just at the moment. Like they're not firing on all cylinders. And like you said, you've had problems at fullback, Trent's form, you've had injuries to Robertson and stuff. And I just think they're so key with Fabinho being in and out of the team as well. Like you said, you're not firing fully on all cylinders. Like if you think back to when Mane and Salah was there, obviously Mane. The fullbacks, the supply that they gave to that front three it was just a joke. It really was ridiculous. I think they had like 40 assists between them over like a season and a half. It was just ridiculous. And like you, you saw the way that they combined for the first goal. Beautiful ball from Trent Alexander-Arnold with the outside of his foot. It's absolutely outrageous. I don't, like, it weren't even on. Like, to see that picture no. was absolutely ridiculous. And don't discredit what Robertson did as well, because that touch on his right foot and the ball across. It's just, it's like a FIFA goal when you just square it. It's beautiful. And like you said, Nunes will be on the end of that sort of stuff when that's just flowing in a continuous I, I do think, though, that, that supports the argument about looking at Trent as a, as a midfielder again, because that position is not somewhere he would naturally take up as a, as a, as a fullback. Um, no. mm. And that, that ball was just unbelievable. And he, he played it. He played the ball. Yeah. It wasn't a it, hit and hope. Yeah. He no. meant it. He meant, he meant, every, it. He meant it. every minute of it. And Robertson knew he was going to play it. And Salah knew that the ball was coming into the middle. And that, you can't buy that. And that's still, that's just memory. That's Robertson just... was cheeky as well, though, wasn't he? Because he learnt off Mares on Thursday night. Remember Mares's goal? Yeah. They dinked yeah. it across. His first touch killed Robertson, killed the yeah. ball. 
And you yeah. see when the ball came over, Robertson thought back just a couple of days ago yeah. with his first touch, he he killed the whole Villa defence. Well, Rob, Robertson doesn't go if he knows the player can't find him. And like you yeah. said, because it's Trent, he goes. Do you know what I mean? If that's anybody else in the team, he probably doesn't go. Because I don't think, apart from Thiago, uh, maybe maybe a couple of others, they've not really got that pass in their locker. That is, it, it's an incredible pass. It really is. I can't speak highly enough of it. It's just unbelievable, technically, how, how he does it. And like you said, if you, you are going to dip into the market, I don't know whether you're going to do it in January or the summer, and you've been linked with a lot of expensive midfielders, um, if you can't get two that you're looking for, he is an option to play in there. I think he'd be superb at it, especially in the midfield three. I think he really would because he's got the, he'd have the defensive side of his game, but he'd have players like Fabinho who would just give him a license to get on the ball and start spraying it everywhere. And I think potentially it could work. Why do you, I mean, I don't want to digress, but Obi, why do you think we haven't tried it or we've not tried it yet? Do you think the day that Jürgen tries it, there's no going back? So he needs Gomez or Calvin Ramsey settled it right right back uh, to fill... I mean, he can't put him in centre mid. Imagine he plays great man of the match. He could never go back to right back, could he? Is that the and maybe, maybe Maybe Trent would never want to go back to yeah. right back and his head would be turned. So if you remember, Southgate, of all people, mm. put him into midfield for an England game and he was he was all right, but it was like it made a lot of noise. Yeah. And then suddenly people are going, well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's where we should play for Liverpool. And, and, and it almost like followed on that Trent's form became a bit more ropey after that. And I'm wondering if Klopp's going, look, I've got the best creative uh, fullbacks in the league, probably in the world. And in Premiership history now, I think Andy Robertson's overtaken. Who was it? Who, who did he Leighton go ahead Baines, of? Leighton Baines, was it? Was yeah. it Leighton Baines? And Leighton Baines played for about a million years so <laughs> it's amazing that he's overtook him there and then um, it's like I've got this creativity out wide these guys understand they do it week in week out they know when to go they know when not to go on principle they read each other so the amount of balls that they and they talked about it in commentary the amount of balls they play to each other across the field is absolutely ridiculous mm, they love it, don't and they? It, they, they both know what they're going to do and I always remember, like, as a youngster growing up, it was like, if one fullback went, the other one holds back. Liverpool don't do that. They, they just go. They just mm. go. Fabinho to fold in, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh. And before that, it was Wijnaldum or Henderson or whoever just then covers Thiago, then covers the space in behind. And that's, and that's a massive part of the game. And would he lose some of that? So if he put, a, a, say, a Gomez at right back, and he put Trent in midfield, Hmm. Would he lose some of that? He possibly would. He'd lose a bit of the snap going forward. And Klopp's such an attacking coach that he'll know that's a real weapon in scoring goals. So why would he change it? Is is, is the argument it, I imagine he's always pushing back on. We could probably do a podcast on that all on its own, couldn't we? Because it's been one of the most Absolutely. asked questions of the last five years. Um, OB, I was really impressed by Jordan Henderson. Hmm. I'm not saying I'd written him off and he was finished. I was saying he was bang out of form and I don't know how he went to the World Cup, but hopefully the World Cup has rejuvenated him. His bromance with Jude Bellingham has reignited him as a player. I thought he was fantastic against uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, he was. He was good. He was really, really good. I thought um, I thought he, he looked like he was, he was leading the team well as well. He's got a lot to say for himself. And I think that become more widely known during the World Cup because you could hear the players talking, but whenever you go to a Liverpool game, all you can hear is him shouting, instructing, with his hands up, telling people where to go. Um, he was in he was in full fettle, wasn't he? And he was really back to his best of, of what he can and can't do. And he, he, he's not a player who plays beyond his, his means. He doesn't ever try to be something he isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's really important because the guy's got a, a good skill set he knows what he can and can't do. And um, it was it was good to see him looking like he was back towards his best. I still think we're short in there. I really do. I think oh, that we need, mm. we, we, we need... We need one of these guys, one of these big signings to come in. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have any of, of the three main ones that we've been linked with, and that's Amrabat, uh, Fernandez, and, um, and Bellingham. Any one of them three adds massively to our midfield. And... Um, Unfortunately, I think the thing is that all three of them are going to cost an absolute fortune after the World Cup. 
Absolutely. Um, apparently Henderson's gone on record to say that he heard Travis put him in a combined England and France 11 and said it, it's just the confidence booster he needed. So <laughs> a big thanks to Travis Morgan, he said. There you um, go, mate. I said it. I could see something. I think, like you said, I think this is quite a pivotal time with the transfer window on the horizon as well. And there's going to be a lot of drop points over these next few days. I've looked at our fixtures and we've got a real opportunity to close the gap on Newcastle, providing that we win our games. Arsenal play Newcastle on the third. I think you they play Brighton as well. I think you who have you got over the the next couple of games as well? I think you've got um, Leicester and then you've got the Brentford as well. You got Brentford. Yeah, we've got uh, Leicester on Friday night, um, eight o'clock, and then oh goodness, I'm looking at it now. I think it's Brentford you might be playing. Brentford away. Yeah, Brentford away. Then yeah, we've got Wolves yeah. in the FA Cup. Then we're away to Brighton, home to Chelsea. Oh. Mm, we ba- we got battered by Brentford and they're a bit of a hit and miss team but on their day if they catch you they can really hurt you Brentford like they, they should have probably beat Spurs they let a two goal lead slip yeah. it's going to be interesting especially with the transfer window as well because um, I think a couple of clubs are going to be active like you said it's whether now you sign Gakpo whether you'll go again and spend another load of cash on a midfielder I can't see you doing that um, See, I, I can. I honestly, you know how this brings us nicely on at the transfer, the January transfer window. I said a couple of streams ago, I think this will be a unique January because of the World Cup, obviously. You know what everyone's like after a big World Cup. Everyone gets a bit excited. Players um, have their reputations and hands so much. I think this is going to be the busiest January ever. Uh, for all clubs, but I think we're going to go big. I've just got this feeling, Obi, that Enzo is coming in as well. I've just got this feeling we're going to push. We've decided we want him. We're talking release clauses, which is 100 million. I think we're negotiating down to 60, 70. What do you think? Does that I've just mean got this Bellingham feeling. isn't coming? Does that mean Bellingham isn't coming if you get him, do you reckon? No. Or then you... Bellingham in the summer, and One, then, yeah, and then we'll take over English football. How does that sound, Obi? <laughs> I tell, I tell you what, what I would say is, I honestly believe that Fernandez, Fernandez is, is undoubtedly the, the player that I think could make a real difference this season. Because I think you're bringing in a player who is of absolute unbelievable quality. I mean, the reason Argentina won that World Cup was at midfield. I've got no doubt about that. They they just drove and drove teams to absolute. Um, they they pummeled them. They pummeled them in the middle of a park every every single game from when they lost the first one, um, through to the end of the competition. And I think he's a massive part of that. I think he's got the ability to probably be one of the best midfielders in the world in a very very short space of time, Fernandez. And I think I think this it actually could happen. I would love for us to just go in there and go, right, let's just have him. And it would take the pressure off the whole Bellingham piece as well. So if the club go in for Bellingham as well, and if we don't land him, and I'm not convinced we will, if I'm being totally honest, as time's gone on, I've got less and less sure that we will land Bellingham. We've got Fernandez there. I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. I think he's he's someone with the ability to probably be as good, if not better than Bellingham, at the very, very top of his game. What's changed your mind, Obi? Because I, I said to you two weeks ago, Bellingham is a done deal. I've convinced myself it's happening. Um, you were quite set on it as well. Do, yeah. you, do you not think that it's possibly not going to happen now because of Real Madrid? Or do you not trust the owners that if we've signed Gakpo, we're going for Enzo, Bellingham just isn't going to happen now? Is it? Is it the owners in the £250 million we're talking about? I, th- I think it might be the money. I think it might be the money. So... If you remember way back um, September time, I was hoping that Bellingham wouldn't be at the World Cup and pick up a little niggly injury or something. <laughs> we were being linked right back then and, and just somebody who it, it was clear he was going to be of absolute quality. That that World Cup's added a load of money to what you have to pay for him. And, it's about 60 mil, isn't it? Yeah, and Liverpool aren't going to go there. We, we all know deep down, as much as I would love for it to happen, Unless we've got new owners lined up already, we certainly won't be signing them in January. Um, and uh, unless it changes in the summer, see, I just I feel I feel different about it. I feel like um, when we <clears> signed Van Dyke, 
there was discussions probably personally with Klopp and Van Dijk uh, where we said, Klopp said, just hold tight at Southampton. It will happen. I can guarantee it will happen. If you're for sale, it's us that are buying no matter what the cost. And I, I've just got this feeling with Bellingham's family, his dad's his, uh, his agent. I just feel like when you're for sale, you are coming to Liverpool. It's a done deal. We'll pay the 100 million, the 120. It might be up to 130, 40 now. I just can't see us now being like a phone call. Sorry, the money isn't there. We've led you along. Wait, all this wait, way. Wait, 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 wait. Let, let the United fan jump in here. So, <laughs> wait, let me get this straight. So, you think Bellingham's coming? Do you think Enzo's coming as well? Yeah. What? Yeah. So, okay, so Enzo's, Enzo's release clause from Benfica is 120 million euros. I don't it? think we're going to pay that, though. I think we're going to negotiate it. That's just if a release clause is if you want him here and now, that's his release. Benfica can't say nothing it, about I it. Heard it there. Well, I heard that's, that's obviously, it. yeah, it's what's reported. But I think mm. we're either setting up for the summer or we can negotiate it now for 60, 70 million in January. Because, um, like you, you say, release clauses okay. are the release clause where there is no negotiation, is there? But if obviously, Liverpool the players. All those three deals Gapo, Enzo, and Bellingham in Jan. Not in Jan. Bellingham's oh, not January. Oh, over the summer, in the summer. Then that is unbelievable business and that will absolutely revitalise your whole squad. Them the, three the thing is, we talk about like Liverpool being for sale. Why wouldn't investing two hundred and fifty million be seen as part of the the franchise you're buying? You know, you'd be straight back in the title talk. Absolutely, you're not a club in decline. You're not a squad in decline. So of of course that that money would just be sold. It'd be part of the asking price, surely. That's why I'm not afraid of it happening. Thinking FSG don't want to spend two hundred and fifty million, but it, it'd be the same anyway. Hey, no odds to them. They just add it on when they're selling it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, or am I deluded, Obi? Am I crazy? Have I had too much maybe, mince pies? Maybe. It just feels like a complete change to what we've seen over the past 10 years. And that's where I'm maybe a little bit like, I think it's more likely we'll land Fernandez because I think he's more in our price bracket of stretch. And you've got more value for money there with the amount of money that we're spending than potentially Bellingham. And that's why I've moved away from one towards the other. Um, yeah, it's possible. I just can't see it. I just can't see us stretching out that far. Trav, from your perspective as a neutral, yeah. if you had to choose one of Bellingham and Fernandez, value for money. So you say you have to pay 160 mil for, for Bellingham and 110 mil for Fernandez. Which route would you go down? You can only land one. Yeah, in terms of value for money, Enzo, definitely. Like, Enzo's top drawing could be anything, and so could Bellingham. But like you said, I think Bellingham's the more the household name, the one who everyone wants. A lot of pressure comes with that. And he's definitely got the right temperament to play at a top club, without a doubt. It's such a tough one. Like, it's splitting hairs, like, between the two. I just think if you got either of them, They'd both be unbelievable players for Liverpool. To be honest, I want one of them at United. I'd love one of them at United and one one would go to you. And that's the fairest way we can do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's... I mean, we did well, like, as well, like with De Jong and that story's reared it head again and he didn't want to come. And I'm, I'm sick of hearing that story. I just want us to veer away from that as well. I think a midfielder is important for us. But I think with United, we need departures so bad. Like, the squad just needs tidying up. Like, we talk about midfielders. We've still got, like, seven. Like, Van der Beek, what's happening with him? McTominay, Fred, one of those has got to go, surely. You've got Ericsson and Casemiro who's starting to, like you said, they're both 30. It's not, it's not anything you can build your side on. Casemiro can because he's a DM and he'll just sit. But in terms of a partner, you need some legs in and around it, especially in the bigger games. And I think Ericsson struggles with that side of it against teams who can keep the ball and run for long periods in games. So I, I do think we need a midfielder in the summer. 
And I think one of those two midfielders would, would be perfect. But again, I I don't think we're even in the Bellingham race, to be honest with you. With the clubs that are touted to be after him, like your Liverpools, your Man Cities and Real Madrid, we're obviously behind those in the pecking order. So I can't see Bellingham happening at all. I think you look at Enzo Fernandez would be a more realistic opportunity. And also Moses Caicedo from um, Brighton, who you've been linked with quite a lot. He's also been on United's radar as well. So I, I would take any one of those midfielders. I think they're all top draw. The thing there's, is, a few of them, there's a few other midfielders that Sean show in the World Cup that would be that type of ilk. So Paul from um, yeah. Argentina really impressed me, particularly in the final. He was, I thought, I thought he was everywhere and he really put it in. He, you could tell that he plays under Simeone at Atletico Madrid because he is such a Simeone-type player. Um I think that Am Amrabat from uh, the Moroccan was absolutely immense, and you'd probably get value for money there. So there's a lot of players that we, we, we've seen and were showcased during that World Cup that could do a job for any of the top six in the Premier League. I, I really believe that, and they'll add value in there. Um, mm. A lot of people with a lot of legs, a lot of will, a lot of determination to win football games, and I think that's ultimately what what, what managers are looking for at the moment: someone to really push on get your league position as high as possible and finish the league as strongly as you can. So I, I do believe it'll be a busy January transfer window and we might see some of them players move. Uh, the thing that we haven't touched on, OBE, I just spoke about the phone call from Klopp to Van Dyke and probably the same to Bellingham, is the phone call might have come the other way. It might have been like, look, thanks for the interest, really flattered, the Premier League's amazing, but he's going to Real Madrid. It might have come the other way and this is just us moving on to other options. Enzo, uh, Gakpo, we've been linked with Amrabat, like you say, depending what article you read. So, yeah, it might have been the other way and no one knows that Bellingham's already chose Real Madrid or Man United, Trav. Can't Not see quite. it. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think with Bellingham, I mean, it seems to be that it's Liverpool and Real Madrid more than City as the, as the front runners. Um, I do think he'll end up going to Real Madrid. I, I don't think it's necessarily the right decision for him. If I'm, uh, uh, it's obvious that you could go to a team of that quality and you can flourish. But the way they change managers and stuff, is it going to help his development over the next five, ten years? It I, depends what convinced. his development or his idea of success means. You know, be there for ten years, four or five league titles, two, three European Cups. But then you just you're just another player that's won... La Liga's if Mbappe went to Real Madrid last year, I think he would have already signed. It, do you know what I mean? Like, I think they've been a little bit of a transition themselves. Like, if you look at their team, they sold Casemiro. You've got Benzema, who's just won the Ballon d'Or, but he's like 35. Cruz, Modric, they're both well into their high 30s. I think, and you look at Rudy as well, who they signed. I think he's just turned 30. And Alab is no spring chicken as well. So I think they do need to go again. Courtois will be that age. They've got some use, but I think they they drew a big big blast in the transfer market. I think I can see them signing three or four. I know they signed Cameron Winger and Chouameni, but you add Bellingham to that as a three. That's going to be their midfield three if he goes for the next few years. I still think Mbappe would really enhance that attack with Vinicius Junior. They'd be scary if they got Mbappe and Bellingham because I know Mbappe signed the contract, but it might have been a case of like. PSG just say give us another eighteen months, two years max. We'll give you some big money, and then and then you'll be off because they couldn't have afforded to lose him last year with what was happening with like Neymar and Messi going through that transition. It won't really go more before Poch left. But yeah, I think definitely between Liverpool and Real Madrid for Bellingham, like I said, it'd be interesting to see because I know Chelsea want Enzo Fernandez as well. They're desperate for a midfielder. Chelsea, they they um, were linked with De Jong in the summer as well, so it it's up for grabs. Whoever wants to put the cash down is what's gonna it's gonna boil down to money talks, don't it? That's what yeah, that's absolutely. Gonna... And it's easy for us to say why go to Real Madrid and just win European cups and leagues because we're obviously all for the Prem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I'll yeah. move to Real Madrid and win European cups. Um, oh, Wouldn't it just be amazing though if we come in like a, a Man City type takeover in two thousand and eight? right at the end of a transfer window and then they bought was it Rubinho and then they made a massive bid for Berbatov and 
I'd love to see that happen. You know what I mean? Suddenly, yeah. someone just come in and buy well, yeah. Liverpool, hopefully, Everton. and go, right, okay, <laughs> and, and, there, and there you go. There's 150 mil for Bellingham as our yeah. welcome gift to you as a, as a, as a, as a club and blow you away, really would. It's becoming increasingly unlikely now, isn't it? Especially with all this yeah. talk of they're looking more for major shareholders than a buyout, which is heartbreaking, really, because yeah, no one wins in a, a major takeover unless they're prepared to put in a lump of sum each, which FSG are just not. Or maybe they are. Who knows? It's, it's interesting that both Liverpool and United have announced that they've wanted to, to look for new investment, etc. And nothing's really happened on either front. Mm. And we're kind of like... Are we a month, month and a half on with the, the, the United thing? And probably longer than that with Liverpool. A couple of months on and there's been no... Gone I mean, quiet. there's lots of rumours, but it has gone quiet with regards to actual comments from the club. It's like the club have just shut down. And both yeah, clubs are not really saying anything. It it's all it's very odd. It all depends on where the money's coming from, doesn't it? Like Chelsea and Man City were done pretty much overnight. Uh, Chelsea this time, was it took a couple of weeks for this Todd Bowley... Obviously, Newcastle took months and months with uh, the problems coming from Qatar. Um, but after the bit of smoke screen from Ronaldo's departure, you just never know. They might have uh, they might have absolutely zero intention of selling and just want a bit of a buffer, some more money, some more. You just never know. We'll have to see with that one. That that's been strongly rumoured, and and you can see that from the Glazers. To be fair, that they they the wool over people's eyes for years, you know what I mean, and, and got away with it. So that could that could potentially happen. I know there is interest. We'll have to see with, with United. But the main thing is what's happening on the pitch for both clubs, isn't it? I think we're both in a top four fight. Liverpool certainly aren't out of it. We're not out of it. And it can all change within a few games, you know what I mean? I know you're six at the moment, but before we played, you're only a point off us. You're wanting us to drop points. We drop points, you can sneak in there. Newcastle are absolutely flying. Um, they, they can't stop winning at the minute. Um, but they've got a test away at the Emirates as well, so we'll be wanting them to drop points there. So it's going to be interesting next few games, definitely. Look after what's on and see what It happens. does look like Tottenham are a bit vulnerable at the moment as well, doesn't it? It looks like they're starting to make yeah, it really dig deep. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how they go because... Um, we've got a game in hand on them. I think you guys, if you guys got a game in hand on yeah. them as well, and if you we'll win that game in hand, yeah, you mm. go ahead of them, and then they'll they'll be looking behind them and probably feeling the pressure as a as a club. Um, they might go, they might go in January and do some business because they'll think that they'll have the twist. Um, so that that'll also be interesting to see who they can purchase and who can get in. I imagine Arsenal might twist as well. And really go for yeah, it. Yeah, who's that lad they're linked with? D- dry, dry duck or something like that. Dry, yeah, dry duck. Yeah, from Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah, winger. Yeah. Big money. Million. Yeah, big big money. I think, like you said, Obi, they probably look the most vulnerable out of the current top four at the minute. I think, considering the fact that they've already lost to you at home, we beat them at Old Trafford. They've lost a few of the big games. Um, and they've got more away trips to come as well, and they're not really defending well on the road, dropping points. So I think out of the current top four, if anyone's going to drop out, I think it's probably going to be them first before anyone. There'll be fan pressure as well because Arsenal are doing so well, and we all know that when your biggest rivals are absolutely smashing it, the pressure just comes and comes and comes, and it isn't going to go away. And um, it, it won't be long before there'll be noise about that as well. So I think there is going to be a lot of pressure on Tottenham over the next few games. Let's end on uh, Cody Gakpo. Um, i got to admit, I didn't watch enough of the World Cup or Netherlands in the World Cup, should I say, um, yeah. to to run the rule over him. But I did watch a YouTube compilation <laughs> in the last it's couple of days. And it, he looks really good. I really want him. Um, yeah. But I think, if anything, the way he moves, the way he was like caressing the ball and... and Controlling the ball, it reminded me of watching Jude Bellingham in the World Cup. Yeah. Has anyone anyone seen that kind of comparison? He just looks so tall, so powerful. Yeah, he's languid. He's not. He, he does move like him. The two totally different players, two totally different positions. But yeah, he's very languid. But again, he's he's a big, strong, powerful person, and he's very direct with the way he plays as well. I've actually got a friend who I play FIFA with PlayStation, and he's from Holland. He supports PSV, um, and. 
he was he was gutted because he was like saying Gakpo's such a good player, like whoever gets him. Obviously United were very strongly linked. It looked like we were gonna get him at one point. And he's like, You're getting yourself a really good player. And I was I said the same to him, we don't really need a winger, but he'd be a good addition. And then all of a sudden I checked my phone and he's like agreed fees with Liverpool. I'm like, my phone broke. Is my phone broken? It is also because I, I didn't I didn't I didn't see it coming. I really didn't see it coming. So for me, I was looking at him in the World Cup thinking he's a good player, but he's already been linked with United. I thought that would be a good addition to United's team. It would give him an extra um, something very, very different in the attacking yeah. sense. Um, sort of bigger, stronger, quick attacker. I was thinking that it's interesting that we're moving towards that type of striker more often in the Premier League. We went through this little period of having little fast guys. It seems to be moving towards these bigger sort of stronger guys. He's also, we could play anywhere across the sort of front. So we could play down the middle. We could play off uh, the left. Um, he looks like a real handful as well. And I imagine that Van Dyke's been up against him in training and going, I've got the same vibes as I had when I played against Nunes when he's playing for Benfica and probably fed back that we need to get this guy because he's quality. If we can land it and his attitude's good, behavior's good. And hopefully in the England camp, um, Henderson and Trent have been doing the same with Bellingham and kind of <laughs> caressing him and feeding back in the clock. But I do think it's more and more of a thing now where these, these these players in these teams are actually going away in international duty and tapping players up. Yeah, and I, I, it looks pretty obvious that's what happened in in, in the Dutch team oh, during the World Cup with a with a clock's gone out there and said have a word with him because he come to us and got in his ear. And he's well, done that. Well, was interviewed, weren't he, about Gakpo's pen, pending move to the Premier League, potentially. And he said, no disrespect to United, but, like, is is United the highest level Gakpo could be playing at? I, I genuinely think he could play at a higher level. That's what he said. That's what he came out and said. They were actual quotes. Like, like, thought he could play wow. for like, or someone higher. Like, he could play for anyone. And then he ends up at Liverpool. So, like you said, without a doubt, I do think Van Dijk's had a huge influence and a huge say over um, where Gakpo is going to be playing his football next. Because he's obviously got into his ear and said, you know what, you'd be very welcome at Liverpool. I think you'd do well. And like you said, he's already got himself a teammate there, um, which which would be perfect. And I think, I think the disappointing thing from a United perspective is even I can have as much opinion as I want as to whether I think we needed a striker. I think Ten Hag did want the player. Um, what what capacity saw Gakpo playing in the team? It remains to be seen in United's team, but I think he wanted the player, and I think he'll be disappointed that he sort of lost out on him to Liverpool for some reason or other. Whether it was money, I know Liverpool paid the structural payment that PSV wanted. I think it was more of an upfront payment that they wanted and Liverpool were willing to match that. So you've got the player. And, and I think he will be a fantastic player for Liverpool. I literally can't deny that at all. I think he's a very, very good player. He scores a lot of goals, um, gets assists. He's powerful, stays fit. He's never. He's got a good injury record as well. So I think he'll play a lot of games for you as well. And, and he's one of those players that... I know we doubt the Dutch league, but I do think he'll hit the ground running. I really do. Especially with the injuries that you've had with Diaz and Jota on that left-hand side, I think you can really make that left-hand side his um, very early on. And I think um, he's, he's got a bright future for sure. He's at a good age and I think he'll do well at Liverpool. I don't want to start the rumour mill going, but obviously I think because we don't trust FSG that much, is trust the right word, OB? Do you think the thirty-five million price tag has played a big part in this? If it was touted at seventy million, we wouldn't have been going anywhere near, especially not in January, or would we? Or I'm going to start the rumor mill even more. I read a report that Luis Diaz's dream is to play for Real Madrid and Barca. If Gakpo does well off the left, are we seeing the possibility that Diaz has moved on for a massive profit in the summer? Or am I just very, being very silly? And we've just got a great front six now. It's very possible. It's very possible. I don't think a front six of that quality is sustainable. I was going more down the route of, I think, Bobby Firmino is probably going to be sold in the summer or will probably leave the club in the summer. Um, but it's possible. If, I mean, the thing is, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know if these guys are particularly upset or have got a dream elsewhere. And we've seen it with other players where it's quite clear that they don't, even though they're playing well, they don't want to be at the club that they're at. And they've got dreams of going elsewhere. Um, 
we talked about it in the chat earlier today about the climate and things like that and the, the, the language can make a massive difference and it's quite possible Luis Diaz will feel more comfortable where he understands the language and, and, and that could make a massive difference to him. Mm. It could be any of them factors and, or it could all be a load of nonsense and it's just we're going to go with this amazing front six that's going to smash it up for the rest of the season. I love it. Let's hope he does better than the last Dutch youngster to sign without anyone knowing about it. Remember OB? Ryan Babel. <laughs> that seemed to come ah, out of nowhere and he was signed within yeah. 24 hours and it was like, yeah. he's, he's in the Dutch side, he, he seems decent. And... <laughs> but he, he, scored, he scored in the quarter-final European Cup, so he can't be all bad. Do you remember the win against Arsenal? So, yeah. Um, and he, he scored against United towards the end of the game and yeah, he, he popped up a few goals. He, he never he never truly hit his, what he was frightening to be from a youngster. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good players come out of Holland and they continue to produce them as well. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's an important market to keep an eye on. And um, I know that a lot of the German teams look at it really, really closely. Seem to have a good setup over there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's always going to be somewhere where we're going to go. And for such a small population, they clearly turn out an awful lot of quality players. Let's just hope we've landed another one. Trav, I'm going to put you on the spot to yeah. maybe make a short out of this in 12 to 18 months' time. <laughs> Cody Gakpo, hit or miss? I think he'll be a hit. Oh, without a doubt, I think he'll be a hit. Playing it safe. Yeah, no, I, no, genuinely. I hope he's a miss. I hope he's a huge miss. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it will be a hit. I, re- I genuinely do. I just think he's a good player. I think he's a very good player. I think you sort of play differently to us as well. Like, you've not really had a conventional striker for years. Firmino's always dropped in. I think that sort of will help Gakpo, give him that licence to sort of float about, similar to all your front three have always done over the last few years since Klopp's in there. And I just think he'll fit in. I, just, I, I can't see him not fitting in. Does that make sense? Like, mm. I just don't see why he's got every single attribute that all your other forwards have got, but he's just he's just top draw. I just think he'll be a good player for you, personally. So I think he will be a hit for Liverpool, definitely. That, that is a good point. And obviously, Salah's been tried through the centre lows, hasn't he, Obi? Um, and we know that Klopp likes a, a left or a right-footed player playing on the opposite side. So there's there's no end to the, the options it could bring us. It might be Diaz or Gakpo off the right. Salah in the centre, Jota on the left. It could be anything. Uh, it's exciting That's times, absolutely. but we'll have to wait and see if this does mean that Bobby Firmino's not getting a new contract in the summer. Like you say, six yeah. players would be hard to keep happy. Um, right, in January the 1st, then. He'll be in. January the 1st, he's in. He was That's probably going to be announced soonish, like um, Virgil van Dijk next to his Christmas tree, holding up the Liverpool shirt. Um, and then, yeah, he can play from the 1st of January. We're just waiting on, on it getting announced, really, aren't we? But... Um, he's definitely not playing against Leicester on the 30th tomorrow. Is it tomorrow or in no. two days' time? And what what Klopp does then to do is he does tend to ease his players in as well. Despite the, the the sort of push from the fans to chuck him in, he's like to chuck him in in a, a game that he he sees that he can ease him into it. Um, once he knows he's up fit, he's been training with the team. So it'll be key to when he first we first see him as to when he's actually signed, when he comes over, when he how many sessions he gets and how he does in them sessions. If you remember back, it was the whole Andy Robertson thing when he bought him. He didn't play till October from the start of the season because he just wasn't didn't believe he was at that level yet and uh, it proved to be a good thing to do. He's done it with numerous others where he doesn't throw them in very quickly. On the other side though, we've got Ox starting on the left hand side of a front three, so get him straight in, sink or swim, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely. need him I now. That, I do. I do think. I do think the Ox is probably at the end of his tenure at Liverpool. I think it's coming to a, an end. Um, I do feel sorry for him because he was he was really doing well, and then he got that injury, and he's never really been the same player since. Um, but he's just never. He's, I, I, I shame, do wonder about. Yeah, I do wonder about what he could have been because at one point he was looking like a real, real attacking midfielder of intent and then that, that injury in the, was the semi-final of the Champions League he's never really recovered from that yeah it killed him didn't it it's a shame right lads thank you ever so much for your time that's bang on an hour um, 
if you guys have made it this far and enjoyed it, please remember to hit that like and subscribe button. Really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. We've got over 200 subscribers uh, now, which is fantastic. We've gained 100 just in the last month. So thanks ever so much for that. Uh, lads, if you guys are free, we'll try and squeeze in another one Friday before the Friday games. Uh, OB yeah. might not. He's actually in Liverpool, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm going, going up, up to the game Liverpool. on Friday. So, yeah, going up with the family. Going to head up there tomorrow, spend a bit of time up in Liverpool, um, do a few bits of bobs up there, and then go to the game on Friday night and um, come back. So, Bring home uh, the three points. Some, yeah, yeah, I'll share some videos with you guys anyway. Yeah, love yeah. it. Safe, yeah. safe journey. And, uh, yeah, pick up the three points for us. We're going to have some representation at Anfield. I love it. <laughs> um, Trav, me, maybe me and you will do a two-manner on Friday. Yeah, um, yeah, and then, good. yeah, we'll definitely be doing a... You've got Wolves on Saturday morning, so... Yeah, we'll do a roundup mm. after it like this for sure. So, yeah, pretty much be two videos a week and let's keep the the channel moving. Right, cheers, guys. I'll see you on the next one. Thanks a lot.